dives in for the touchdown. Did he get it? Yes, sir, he did. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. You're listening to the One Podcast. Hello and welcome to the One Pridecast presented by MGM Grand Detroit. I'm Tori Petrie, joined on the other line by Mike O'Hara. Mike, how's your breakfast this morning? Uh, just coffee this morning. I was up late watching the election results and dozed off. And so coffee for a while, maybe a little toast later. Depends <laughs> on what you ever send over. It's up to you. <laughs> I, I know. never know what to expect. I guess I just sent the coffee this morning. We all need coffee, I think, uh, after election night. So, Mike, let's dive into talking about what happened for the Lions on Sunday. Oh. Certainly a frustrating loss against the Colts. What did you take away from that game? First of all, the Colts were better than I thought they were. I really hadn't seen them play much in person. Looked at some of their defensive stats, looked at who they played, and said, well, you should do that against those teams, especially the last couple of games they played. And then on the field at Ford Field, saw what they did to the Detroit Lions, and yeah, they are plenty good. They really really dominated up front against the Lions, probably I'd say on both sides of the ball, defensively and, and even offensively. So it was a very, very, for a, a game and a situation for the Detroit Lions when they had so much to gain, both in the one-loss record of getting above 500, and and then just from the, you know, winning three in a row and sort of announcing yourself as a legitimate contender to some degree in the National Football Conference. None of that happened for the Lions. All of that happened for the Colts. Yeah, it was definitely a, a disappointing game for the Lions. We talked last week about how we thought that the Lions and Colts were pretty evenly matched, that, you know, this was a Colts team who some of their statistics came against teams that were struggling. And so, you know, maybe this was a prove-it game for the Colts, and it seemed like the Colts were able to have that prove-it game, and the Lions did not. Yeah, and then from the other standpoint, you know, we kind of gloss over and it's, it's, it's natural, some of the games, the Lions, in fact, the two games the Lions have won in a row over Jacksonville and, and Atlanta, although I think Atlanta really is better than a two-win team. I don't, there's not much doubt in my mind about that, but they are, the record is what it is, and their defense is what it is, and, and the Lions caught a massive break at the end of that game with Todd Gurley scoring a losing touchdown. Yeah. I, still, I still get a laugh at that, but, but when we saw it on the field, I don't you know, I, let's put it this way, if I were the Colts, I wouldn't trade rosters with the Detroit Lions based on what I saw in that game. Now, there's a lot, lot of football to go, and the Lions have a lot of chances to still prove themselves, but 3-4 and four going into Sunday's game against Minnesota is, you know, with the opportunity they had a week ago, is certainly disappointing. Well, there were a lot of points in that game that we could point to as reasons why the game went the way that it did, but if you had to pick... Uh, a few defining moments of that game, what would you say they'd be, Mike? You know, I'd say it's an eight second. And when I say eight seconds, that's clock time, of course. I think eight seconds turned that game around and what it was set up. It's it's a 2014 game late in the third quarter. Lions have the ball in Colts Colts territory. Probably going to get at least a field goal out of it to make it 2017 and, you know, go into the last 15 minutes in anybody's game. It's a toss-up. No, it wasn't. Um, Matthew Stafford gets sacked, kind of didn't secure the ball, loses the ball on a fumble, and the Colts recover. They turn that into, early in the fourth quarter, into a touchdown. Now it's 27-14, and still a chance. You know, it's not out of, out of hope, but first play after Stafford misreads the coverage, throws it straight to the safety. Uh, you could, you, you'll never get a bigger gift than, than, than that one. Runs it in for a touchdown. Eight seconds on the clock. The game goes from 20-14 to 14 
to 35 to 14 with a two point conversion in there and it's game over. Now you're just playing for stats and, and, and it even got worse in the final score of what 41 to 21 or 42, 21. I gave up thinking, try to <laughs> erase the score from my memory banks. It was just an awful, awful sequence of plays. And unfortunately, Tori, we've seen it before this year where they kind of edge back in and then bingo, something happens. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. That has been the story where they have been contending in every game that they've played. Uh, but, you know, the score definitely got away from them, and it was closer at certain points than if you just were to have, you know, gone on a, on the Lions app and looked at what the score was and didn't watch the game. It was certainly closer at different points than the final score uh, allowed. And, you know, the Lions really did – uh, have a strong opening to the game, which we've seen at different points as well. They opened really strong, uh, but something that stuck out to me was it was hard for these, this offense to get going in the first half. And we saw them come out of the second half with, with a really strong drive, but it felt like the Lions were always just trying to keep up on offense and, and couldn't get really anything going in the first half. And couldn't get stops defensively and, and in, the first, in the first half. The Colts had, I think, was it 42, ran 42 plays or 44 plays, whatever it was, to 22 for the Lions. They had the ball for, for geez, 22, 22 minutes. Yeah, 22 minutes to seven something. It was just, it was really just, it was one sided. And, you know, the Lions couldn't get off the field there in, in, the, in the second quarter, giving up drive after drive. And somebody says, well, as part of it, the defense is gassed because they've been on the field the whole first half. Well, yeah. You know, they, maybe they got their legs back a little bit after halftime, but but like I said, the Lions were able to creep back into into a contention, and then just the bottom fell out, and there we are at Ford Field once again with the Detroit Lions losing another home game. They're 0-3 at home this year, and they've lost seven straight games at Ford Field. I'm not going to go back into the O for you know this century or anything like that at Ford Field, but it, it's to me, I don't I, no matter what the situation is. You should be winning games at home. Not, not that should not be your weak spot on your schedule. It should be your strength, and it and it absolutely is not yet. Coach was asked about that after the game about the record at Ford Field. Why do you think that is? Is it just coincidence that some of their losses have come at Ford Field <laughs> against harder teams to play, or why? Why is that? No, I don't think it's harder teams to play. I mean, you know, they they play the Bears twice. You know, they play the Vikings twice. Those teams keep beating them, and you know they've been beating them. And Green Bay been beating them, you know, wherever they play them. I don't, I don't get it. I really don't. I, I don't. I, I guess if you really want to look at it, look at their one loss record the last, you know, last couple of years, six wins. So it's not like they're winning somewhere else. Last year, three twelve and one. It's not like they're winning someone else, you know, somewhere else and just losing at home. I just think that maybe, maybe they're not as good or as, as have the potential that we see in them from time to time. But I, I have a, I just find it hard to believe that 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 they haven't been able to take advantage of Ford Field. It just it, it, it really amazes me. Yeah, it, it definitely is is frustrating for this team. And then obviously the home field advantage isn't quite the same this year as it has been in other years. Uh, no fans in the stands, but they did have friends and family at the game on Sunday. What did you think of that, Mike? And did that change the atmosphere at all? Well, I don't know about the atmosphere at all, but I just—I think we talked about this on on the video we do every Sunday on DetroitLions.com and whatever other platforms. You're more—you're smarter than I am about that stuff where it all goes. <laughs> but, 
But I think I, I do think this. You, you can like 500, I guess it was friends and family members, and you can say what's the big deal. But there is a little bit of thing. There's a little thing in there that I think people might not forget, and that is, look when he, when when these these are you know world class athletes in the National Football League and baseball and you know, all the pro sports and all that. And all of these guys, they didn't start out playing and you know running out on the tunnel with 63,000 fans screaming. They started out with their mom and their dad and their sister and their brother and an uncle and a friend and all that, you know, watching them play little league baseball or football or, or swimming and diving or even you know organ recitals and things like that. And you know how cool it is to have somebody. You know, you look out and there's your dad sitting in the stands. There's your mom. You know, there's your, you know, your like your girlfriend or your best friend or all that. And there is a little bit to that. Lomas Brown talked about that in the pregame show in WJR. He said, he said it was really neat. And, and even when when he was a player, looking up in the stands, because everybody knows exactly where they're, you know, where they're, where they're, I'll call it just support people are, where they're sitting, you know, and they'll kind of give them a little signal from time to time to come out of that crowd because they sit in the same seats every week. And I thought they'd get just a little bit of something out of that. And it turned out, I mean, if they did, then it, 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 it disappeared pretty quickly. But, I thought there'd be some, just something there. Not every, I think it, I didn't think it would mean everything. I thought it would mean something, and, you know, and maybe it did. Maybe it's why they got off to a seven-nothing start, and the game was close, and they were back in it late in the third quarter. But boy, the, the result is what it is. Yeah, definitely a tough result. When you look at that game, are there any positives that you can take from it? I mean, obviously, a forty-one to twenty-one game is a tough one. But what can you take away that maybe the Lions can build off of? Well, I thought you know, a couple of things, you know, when we look at special teams where Braden Coombs has done really a good job uh, in really solidifying that unit. Now, there's been, I wouldn't call it chaos, but I think he's the fourth, since opening day of 2018, he's the fourth special teams coordinator for, you know, reasons he had one last year for one year, then he got a firing two years ago, and somebody, the assistant picked up the pieces for the rest of the season, but he came came over from Cincinnati. From what I understand, he was highly regarded. You know, people spoke very highly of him as an assistant there. And he's brought that he's brought that here. And I think, look, second the second series of the game, the, the defense you know kind of sags sags a little bit, but you know stops the it gets a finally gets a three and out and and Miles Killebrew blocks the punt. Lions recover around the thirty some yard line. Two plays later, they get a touchdown pass to Marvin Jones Jr. I thought that was. I thought that showed something. I thought that you know that the special teams was special, and and I thought that was that was a good one. Uh, something not so good. Don Muleback had a couple of low low snaps. The first one, uh, Jack Fox, uh, you know, kind of fielded it on the short hop or an in between hop. I guess if he was a third baseman, you might call it an in between hop, <laughs> and ripped a fifty something yard punt. You know, never lost his stride, never lost his rhythm, never panicked. And really got a pretty strong rush against him too, and found the, you know, found a gap in the in the in the rush, and just just ripped the ball. I thought that was good for special teams, and and offensively, I mean, nothing really good. Marvin Jones Jr. having two touchdown catches, I thought was good. He's the, what a pro. No matter what happens out there, he played yeah. every snap except one. Had I think five targets, so it wasn't like they were going to him every down, but he was always ready when the ball comes to Marvin Jones Jr. He's, he's always ready to ready to perform. And then for T.J. Hawkinson, we did have a lot of yards, but he had you know six or seven catches. And I I think he's really coming on as a as a good young tight end in in, in the league. But basically, I that's hard to you know really say that anybody played played terrific there the way 
they sort of got dominated on both sides of the line of scrimmage at times. This season, there are even more ways to get into the game thanks to Lions Bingo presented by BetMGM. Lion fans can play along for free all season long for the chance to win great prizes, including the grand prize each week of a weekend stay at an MGM Resorts location. Just download the Lions mobile app and register to play Lions Bingo each and every week. Play along during the game, and once you hit bingo, you score. Courtesy of our friends at BetMGM. Learn more and lock in your Lions Bingo board before kickoff by visiting the official Lions mobile app now. Well, let's look ahead to see what the Lions have in front of them. It sounds like they might not have Kenny Galladay here for a little bit. He left that game with a hip injury. We'll see what ends up happening there, but it sounds like, you know, this might cause him to miss some time. What do the Lions do on offense without Kenny Galladay? Well, when you say sometime, yeah, I think it was, was either it is Monday presser or Sunday after the game. I forget which one right now. Here we are in the midweek, and my memory is failing already. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, Coach uh, uh, Matt Patricia said that it's going to be uh, days and weeks. And so mm. days, okay, weeks, not so good. You know, Galladay's been a really good player for the Lions. You know, this is now his, you know, halfway through his fourth season here, and he's really established himself as a real pro in the National Football League. He's a, he has a professional football player and he plays hard and he plays well and he's really a 6-4 target with terrifically strong hands that you know any any quarterback would love to have Kenny Galladay unless he had something better and there aren't many better at what he does than, than Kenny that's to me that's a real issue and I don't are they going to replace him yeah they can put another body out there and they can but it, it takes away the guy who can go up and you know like a you know I've, I've likened Kenny to a power forward in basketball many many times and I'll just say it again he there aren't many guys you can go up in traffic and, and get rebounds. Uh, there aren't, not everybody's not willing to do it. Well, he's willing, and he does it, and he's good at it. That's why he led the league in touchdown catches last year with, with 11 and why he's made some big plays for the Lions early in the season despite, you know, having injury issues. Uh, Gardner already missed two games, and now he's going to miss some more. I mean, maybe Quintez Cephas, the rookie from uh, Wisconsin, who – you know, got some playing time early. He's been inactive the last, as you'd, as you'd expect, by the way, with all the guys back healthy. He's been inactive of late. He might, uh, you know, he might get some playing time, but he's certainly not going to do what Kenny, what Kenny Galladay did. So we'll have to find a way. Unfortunately, the way the running game has just absolutely dried up. I don't, you know, I don't think you can count on that uh, making up the difference on the ground for any, you know, now from a game. You never know what's going to happen in an individual game, but I don't see that it's something the Lions can lean on as an alternative to not having one of their top pass catchers. Yeah, why do you think the run game has dried up? I don't know. I don't that, – that's a good question. I just – I thought that after the Jacksonville game when, you know, DeAndre Swift had was 116 yards, and really – I really think he's a good, a good, highly skilled player, but hasn't done anything since then at all. I mean, nothing. You know, nothing that you can really say, wow, this is – He's, now he's rolling because he's not, and neither is Adrian Peterson. You know, he's he's really – I don't know if he's hit the wall finally at age 35. I hope not because I like watching him play, and you know, everybody loves the guy. I love his interviews and all that. Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I know they got dominated up front. I mean, they really did against the Colts, but I wouldn't say that was the you know, necessarily the case the week before in a game that they won. So that's, that's, a, that's a tough one for, you know, Daryl Bevel and – Matt Patricia and the rest of the staff to figure out. I do think they've gotten predictable with the, with their run calls. I mean, 
they had eight first down plays in the first half on Sunday against the Colts, and they ran on six of them. I seems to me that the Colts can they can add up. They can count to four, count to three. They know that first down. If you keep doing it, they're probably going to do it again. And and I just thought that sometimes you get lost in your play chart and you keep calling plays, and they weren't working. I just want to back up on one thing. What I'm talking about, you know, finding fault with some play calling. I understand that being calling plays after the play is you've seen the result of a play is the easiest thing in the world. So I'm not trying to trade places with Daryl Devil. I really think he's been a good good offensive coordinator for the Lions, and I think there's a chance that they're still going to do well. Just talking about a point in time on this one game. Certainly something that stuck out to me as well from that game. But let's flip over to the defense and what the Lions might be getting this coming week against the Vikings. We talked about it last week, Mike, with Everson Griffin uh, and the trade that the Lions made. We talked about the impact that might make, but he might actually be on the field uh, this week, which certainly with Trey Flowers heading to short-term IR thrusts him into a bigger role. How important will Everson Griffin be this week if he's able to play? Well, it depends on the level he plays, and we'll see. You know, this is the middle of the week, but, you know, I think both Corey Unlin, the defensive coordinator, in his interview this week, and what Matt Patricia said already, I mean, it sounds like they're expecting him to play. And, and you know, with all the protocols and all that, they like they have a, had a chance to work him out or anything. They see him on the practice field in the middle of the week. It'll be the first time they really had hands on him, but they've been able able to touch him. To me, defensively, I think the Lions and the, and the and the Vikings, to some degree, have the same problem defensively, and that's giving up yards and giving up points. I mean, I go back in the day when these these were just teams when they used to call this the black and blue division, and I understand it's a different game now than it was. But you know, the Vikings were the purple people eaters. The Lions were the, you know, they were the silver rush, and before that, they were you know they were just one of the you know one of the toughest defenses in the league. But it's a different era now. But still, I don't think either team has, has performed all that well. I mean, the, you know, the Vikings are giving up 411 yards on average per per game. You know, the Lions are up there somehow in a three, high three-somethings and giving up points too. So, you know, I think the Lions have to find a way to, to get to the quarterback. They haven't been able to do that on a consistent basis except for Romeo Oquara, who leads them with, with five sacks. They, uh, if you don't get to the quarterback in a National Football League, if you don't stop the run, you've got problems. And, and the Lions have had problems with both at times. So, you know, you look at what the Vikings did last week, Tory, against the, against at at Green Bay, by the way, where Dalvin Cook ran for 100 and was 160 or 180 yards, had a caught a had, had two receptions for 60 some yards, one of them a long screen pass for a touchdown. They barely used Kirk Cousins, and he still had a, had a big game throwing the ball 16 times or 14 times, whatever it was. So, you know. Uh, Mike Zimmer, the head coach of the Vikings, he goes with what works, and that's what worked last week, so I wouldn't be surprised if you see more of it on Sunday in Minnesota. Well, with the Vikings beating the Packers last week, I mean, that's a huge win for the Vikings. Are you buying it that the Vikings have turned things around, or do you think this is a winnable game for the Lions? Uh, I think it's a tough game for the Lions. Uh, Playing in Minnesota, even though I think the Vikings have won four straight now, whatever it is, Lions had a streak going against the Vikings there, and that's been turned around. But but uh, winnable game, yeah. But I think there's some things that have happened. The Lions have injuries are hurting them now. Uh, they will not have uh, Trey Flowers for for a period of time. You talk about just a is he a great great 
you know, stats producer. Nobody's a really good football player. Makes a lot of different kinds of plays because he's good and he's, he studies and he's prepared and all that. And you know, Jared Davis, who really hasn't been, I guess, this year what what you would have expected of him when he was drafted in the first round, uh, four years or three years ago. This is the fourth year, and, and he's now split in time as a linebacker, but uh, might not be available this week. We're not sure about that, but but. It's up against them. It really is. And, and uh, winnable game. Yeah, it's a game they can win. I don't think it's an unwinnable game. I think there's some of those games for any team. You know, he's got a three and four record goes into a game during the season. Go, boy, I don't know if we can win this one. Well, I mean, they don't say that, but I would. You know, I don't know if they can win this sure. one. I don't think that's in that category at all. Okay, well then let's take it to Mike's Pick of the Week presented by MGM Grand Detroit, the king of sports books. Mike, who are you picking on Sunday? Well... Tori, I do it, you know, is it black chips? Is it green chips? <laughs> the blacks are $100. The greens are 25 The reds are 5 The whites are $1. I'm going to have to take the Vikings in this one, but just with just with the red chips. So I wouldn't want to bet a lot on okay. this one, one way or the other. Okay. I, think that, I just think the Vikings, I picked them to win the division at the start of the season. Uh, they're not going to do that now, I don't think, although, you know, they put a dent in the Packers and the Bears lost last week as well. I just think uh, I just think the Vikings may have hit on something, the way to play with Dalvin Cook back. The Lions have had trouble stopping the run. Uh, this will free them up for some play action with Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen and, 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 and Jefferson, the rookie uh, wide receiver. I'm going to take the Vikings 27 17. Well, with just the red chips. I like how you lay it out for us just to, to give us the confidence those. level in the pick. And a man of my stature standing there at the cage with those $5 chips is embarrassing. <laughs> 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 Next thing you know, it'll be the penny slots. Oh, my oh, goodness. Oh, is me. Listen, we, we still respect Mike's pick of the week. That, that's an important part of this podcast. So we appreciate <laughs> yeah. you weighing in on it every week, Mike. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll chat with you next week. This season, there are even more ways to get into the game thanks to Lions Bingo presented by BetMGM. Lion fans can play along for free all season long for the chance to win great prizes, including the grand prize each week of a weekend stay at an MGM Resorts location. Just download the Lions mobile app and register to play Lions Bingo each and every week. Play along during the game, and once you hit bingo, you score. Courtesy of our friends at BetMGM. Learn more and lock in your Lions Bingo board before kickoff by visiting the official Lions mobile app now.